Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on Wednesday. Crazy times, man. We got a lot to get into. And unfortunately, a lot of it has to do with uh, Henry Ruggs and now the information coming out on Ruggs and his crash the other morning. So we'll get to that in a couple minutes. I mean, any other day, and we're going to hit it. Aaron Rodgers now out because of a COVID positive. That's crazy. We got VGK Hockey to talk about. The World Series ended last night. We'll get to that around 5.54 today. Uh, Justin Watkins is in with us. Uh, Let's do it, Ari. It's Trending at 3. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. So it's funny. uh, Justin is our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. The funny part is... um, your spots are met mostly with, uh, you know, warm embraces. Every once in a while, people are like, attorneys. And I'm like, we need to have attorneys on pretty much every day, right? And we do these kind of extended spots because there's always something going on. I don't, I don't have the answers. Like, I don't have the answers in the Henry Ruggs case. So we're going to get to that in five minutes. Um, and we're definitely going to hit on Aaron Rodgers because this is, again, I have a lot of workplace questions with the vaxxed and unvaxxed. But if you folks haven't heard, Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID. He said in August that he was immunized, maybe carefully choosing his words. He's unvaccinated. He's going to be out for the minimum 10 days. That's the rule. You know, if you're vaxxed, you get back a couple of negative tests and that thing can go away pretty quickly. Yeah, I think as low as five days, but 10 days he's out. So he's going to miss the game against the Chiefs. This is a crazy situation and it's probably not going to end um this season i mean we could go to a super bowl and not know who's playing in the super bowl because we don't well i'll also say just because teams are 100 percent vaccinated doesn't mean that someone isn't going to test positive for covid right. so we're dealing with this all the way through the end of the football season but this is this is a big one and you know the, the funny thing is for the packers um listen i hope aaron Rodgers has no symptoms i hope this isn't bad for him but for the packers it's almost like we got this out of the way. If he is actually able to come back in 10 days, hopefully he doesn't catch it again if they make a a move in the playoffs. Imagine in the playoffs all of a sudden if you're like, sorry, Aaron, positive, you can't play. Yeah, I mean, well, I think the Packers need to have a little bit of worry here because they seem to allow Rodgers to play along with the idea that he was vaccinated. You know, there's two sets of rules that apply for mm-hmm. vaccinated and unvaccinated people. And he petitioned the league apparently for this alternate treatment that they don't specify in any reports, but he made a petition to the NFL to be considered vaccinated and have the vaccinated rules apply to him because of this alternate treatment that he got. Uh, The NFL said no, but Aaron Rodgers goes in front of the media without a mask, not on zoom in person, which as a, as a media member or as a teammate, do I deserve to know that? I believe that it was, intentional on Aaron Rodgers part to leave the impression that he was vaccinated. Well, he never said vaccinated though. He said immunized. That's our right. fault for not, no, no, not, no, but, not watching his words, but, but the Packers have to follow the rules for him being unvaccinated and all other un- unvaccinated players were put on zoom, right? They're supposed to be in masks at all times when they're unvaccinated. And now you're seeing all these things crop up of photos of Aaron Rodgers without a mask, 
and doing the media availability without a mask. And so I think, you know, the fact that this came out, yes, from a performance standpoint, they got to say, cool, we're probably good for three months now that he finally got it as an unvaccinated person. He's asymptomatic for the most part. That's the reports right now. So good. We got that out of the way. But from a league liability standpoint, I don't I can't imagine they come out of this without getting any sort of punishment or reprimand whatsoever. Right. They didn't follow they didn't follow the vaccination rules. Let's get into a uh, lawsuit possibilities and then uh, end game on this and in, in about 20 minutes or so. We got a lot to get to with Henry Ruggs. We have more information about the crash that killed a woman and as it turned out her dog. Uh, first of all, we have her name, which I think is important to mention. Just saying, hey, there was a victim, and all we, you know, all we're hearing is rugs, 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 rugs. rugs. He's alive. Yeah, he's alive. Uh, Tina Tintor um, is not. Twenty-three-year-old was killed in this crash right by Spring Valley Parkway and Rainbow. And some of the stories are just horrific. That um, she was alive in the car as it was on fire, and there are people there, uh, bystanders, first responders. They couldn't get her out. So she was pinned in the car. Um, a security guard at a nearby condo community, Alexander Hart, said he got into his vehicle, drove to the scene. Um, he heard the screams from the Toyota. The driver was still alive, but they tried, and it was just it, it got too hot. They had to back off. It's heartbreaking. I mean, it, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And I, I think I'm glad that you you know were announced who the the victim is. Um, you know, obviously. It's a horrific day uh, for them, uh, the family, uh, anybody related and friends and family of, of the victim. It's it's awful, you know, and, and I do hear on Twitter a lot of sentiment of, you know, feeling bad for rugs, too, as a young kid. And the idea out there being like, hey, you know, I was a young, stupid kid once, too. And this could have happened to a lot of people. Um, yes, that's true. You know, a lot of people have driven drunk and not gotten caught, driven drunk, gotten accidents, gotten DUIs and not killed somebody. But the reality is, is that this is always a risk and we are seeing increased punishments um, for these kinds of things. Uh, in Nevada, it's a mandatory uh, when it's mandatory prison sentence. Uh, and I'm going to refer to, you know, my good friend, Josh Tomchex, who's one of the best criminal attorneys in town. Mandatory two to 20 years, uh, has to serve two, can't serve more than 20. Um, and there can be aggravating factors that increase it, meaning the reckless driving aspect of this. Um, if there had been any priors, uh, the weapon. Would the you expect the DA to put the weapons charges on there? And uh, I also had a listener ask today, would the dog's death actually be tacked on in some way? Yeah, I, so I, I talked to Josh about that, and he, he said, like, the aggravating factors, like the reckless driving, all of those things can come into play, that the perception, the public perception out there is that, say, celebrities and cops and those kinds of people get lesser sentences for these kinds of things. In his practice, he's been doing it 17 years. The opposite's generally true. The 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 more public the, the case, the the harsher the sentence is, not the lighter. Um, so he said, if this was just a random construction worker, would we expect to see you know harsh sentences? He wouldn't. But in this instance, it's going to be so public that if he had to guess, he says six to fifteen. 
mandatory. He's going to serve at least six. Parole eligible at six. Could serve up to 15. I want to look up what Scott Gregson got. Eight. He got eight? He got eight to 20? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Gregson had priors. Two prior DUIs. If if memory Uh, serves me correctly, um, I I believe Gregson had two two prior DUIs. Uh, Ruggs doesn't have any of that. Um, So that factors in. Now, they can actually go under two years if there is something wrong with the the ability to prosecute the case. Uh, so, I wanted to ask you that. Um, could there be issues with the blood draw? It doesn't seem like it. He didn't it. agree to sobriety test at the scene, hospital. They grab the blood. That happens all the time. Okay. Just making right? sure it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, obviously his defense attorneys are going to look for anything from a procedural standpoint sure. that could throw a wrench into this thing. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that can be relevant um, because when they do the blood alcohol tests it, with blood or with the, well, blood's just so much better uh, than the breathalyzer. The breathalyzer assumes that you're trending up in BAC, that you're not coming down from your last drink. You're still coming up and that could be challenged if you're kind of sort of right on the line, but the blood's the blood. Right. I mean, if it's as reported 0.161, I would expect they're going to they're going to try to plead out the DUI. I mean, you're not getting that charge dismissed on a technicality when the blood draw, you know, presumably 30 to 60 minutes after the accident, still at a 0.161. On the way back, Justin Watkins is with us, walking us through all the legal aspects of the Henry Ruggs crash and death of uh, the 23 year old woman. Uh, Tina Tintor. On the way back, we have to get to uh, a bunch of different topics around this. Uh, one, there are rumors out there about where Rugs may have been hanging out and possibly drinking to get this hammered. And the other one I'll roll out there is the NFL has had a history. It's not you know dozens, but there have been DUI-related deaths at the hands of players in the past. And my God, I forgot about how light the sentences were in different localities around this country. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts. Only on Cofield & Company. Well, we are getting a lot of details on Henry Ruggs. I guess it's been confirmed now, the location that he was hanging out with. Initially drinking. Initially drinking, because I'm not clear when that place closes. I'm not really comfortable saying it yet. Because um, we hear the, the place closes at midnight. Now, I don't know if they were allowed to stay later, but apparently Ruggs was hanging out, maybe swinging some golf clubs, um, allegedly drinking with his girlfriend. Um so I'll just ask you know, blanket question. When you go somewhere and they're feeding you drinks, does the bar have a responsibility at some point to cut you off? Or can the bar be liable in a case like this that results in a, a DUI crash and death? Never in the state of Nevada. That It's called dram shop liability, and it does not exist in the state of Nevada. It does exist in other states. Um, New Jersey is, like I think, one of the main ones that does have dram shop liability. Um, you know, got to cut people off. and you got to stop serving. Um, but not in the state of Nevada, of course, expectedly. 
Uh, before we get into more specifically about Henry Ruggs and what he's facing here, because the penalties could be severe in Nevada, I think the general public always worries about these cases being pled out and nothing really happening uh, to the person. The NFL's had multiple cases in the past of uh, DUI manslaughter, uh, DUI-related death. Uh, 2009 was the most recent. That was involving uh, Cleveland Browns receiver Dante Stallworth. I think I was going through a construction zone. Uh, he had blown a 0. .126 uh, on the blood alcohol level above Florida's 0.08. Um, he was suspended without pay for the entire 2009 season. He faced 15 years of prison, but served 24 days, mm -hmm. 24 days of a 30 day sentence and reached a settlement with the family to avoid a civil suit. He was placed under house arrest for two years. And, uh, he was also instructed to do a thousand hours of community service given, uh, eight years of probation. Um, I remember this one. Well, 1998 Leonard little, was involved in a crash. He was a St. Louis Ram. Uh, it was uh, in his rookie year, June of 98, hit and killed a woman while under the influence in St. Louis. He blew a .19. He was given four years probation, 1,000 hours of community service, sentenced to 90 days in a city workhouse. So the history of the league, well, the history of the justice system locally, hasn't really given more than a slap on the wrist, and the league... I mean, it got better half a season for little 10 years later, a year for Dante Stoworth. And I'll just tell a little story real quick. I remember being at the Super Bowl that the Rams and Titans were in and thinking back. And I remember how offended I was at the time, thinking back to how gross the NFL was and how gross the Rams were. Leonard Little at that Super Bowl, like clearly people are going to ask him about a DUI related death and the fact that he is back and playing in a Super Bowl. And I remember like, like Soviet henchmen standing around him, officials from the NFL and the team were like, no questions about that. Like suddenly where are the bad guys? Like, how about facing the music? How about a little public shaming? How about some accountability? So anyway, just remember that part of the story, but the, the NFL doesn't have a great history with this right now. This is not in the NFL's hands, but the justice system in those spots, I don't think really handed down anything, but you were just saying a couple minutes ago, Nevada's a little different. Nevada's different, and I think I, I am willing to bet that those states are a little bit different now as well. Uh, there has been a trend in the last 10 to 15 years to increase punishments uh, related to DUIs uh, and driving under the influence. Uh, that The penalties have changed in the state of Nevada. I mean, you know, talk to somebody who's been in Vegas as longer than I have and talk about, you know, driving home drunk and, you know, the cops sort of, escorting you home and no, you know, nothing ever happened. Um, but now it, it, it's absolutely mandatory jail time. Uh, I think our, the two examples you've cited were not in our local justice system. Our local justice system, I think is catching up with the trend. Um, you, you cited to the Gregson case. Uh, you know, I think, I think justice, you know, was heavy there. I mean, he's going to serve a lot of time and he did, you know, he, killed somebody uh, and driving drunk. So uh, there are instances that we can look to here locally to show that the, our justice system is handing out severe punishments in these instances. And I would expect you're going to see a severe punishment here. I mean, for some people, it'll never be enough because, you know, a NFL player who doesn't need to drive under any of these circumstances made the choice to drive and killed somebody. But you know, from my perspective, when you start talking about six to 15 years in prison, um, I think that that punishment fits the crime. I do. 
Justin Watkins is the ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. Uh, what the Raiders did, releasing him, that is legally sound? I don't see any problem with it. I mean, they don't. They could release him for no reason. They don't have to give a reason for releasing him. I mean, they heard enough, right? I mean, they, I'm sure they had enough connection to what was going on that they heard enough. If they heard what the BAC was and that somebody died. I wonder what happened, and I'm just speculating here, if the blood alcohol was .0801 and he was doing 78 miles an hour. I would expect total speculation, but right. I just told you what the NFL has done in the past, what right. teams have done in the past, yeah. which is, hey, the teams are like, yeah, we, we want, well, in the case of Leonard Little, he was a rookie who went on to be a really good player. Yep. Rams were like, no, we want him. So, hey, the justice system decided he didn't get anything. League hands down an eight-game penalty. Yeah, we still want him. Yep. I mean, hey, I, I'm I'm for that approach. Let the justice system determine the penalties that are just in that locale for that person. I'm not the justice system if I'm the NFL. The only time I, if I'm the NFL that I step in and suspend people, and we've talked about this for years now, is for you know on-field infractions, competitive advantage infractions, or violent crimes that endanger the health and well-being of those people that I'm due to protect, which is the public, the crowds, and the people uh, on the field. Uh, let's talk about some of the info from the crash site. Uh, police technology is pretty amazing, and I don't know what's in the car in terms of like a black box or something. Like, How would they know that he was going 156 at one point and impact was 127? Yeah, absolutely. There's a black box in almost any car today. Um, any recent um, manufactured car, I'm going to say most since 2010, I'd say virtually everyone since 2018. So all top end cars, all regular cars pretty much have a black box. The data they can get on that is pretty precise um, in a accident that's this severe. It's less precise in a less severe accident because um, some of the black boxes don't record an event unless their airbags are deployed. But clearly here, um, the, the impact is severe enough that it will have recorded that. They grab the black box in real time, so they absolutely know the last recorded event because it just happened. Um, so that data is going to be super reliable. We're at Battleborn Injury Lawyers in the uh, Battleborn Broadcast Studios. Justin Watkins, our legal insider, is here with Cofield and Company. This is a strange one, but I think it's up your alley. Um, cars like this, this Corvette. Like a lot of people were mind blown that he would be driving 156 miles an hour on Rainbow. Uh, one, I wonder where he was coming from, because apparently he lives north of Rainbow and Spring Valley Parkway. He lives near Rainbow in Charleston. Um, just to get up to 156 miles an hour on Rainbow. Like, I wonder where he was coming from. But the other question is, like, what, what where does street legal end in terms of how fast a car can go? Well, and, and, and would you like, do you like, I just wonder in cases where like, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Right. So when I when I come up to this office or to Nova Home Loans, um, I'm coming down Summerlin Parkway, right? So, I yeah. mean, it is downhill going towards Red Rock. And the speed that people can drive at, right? And I was I was watching today. Traffic was flowing probably at about 78 miles an hour because I was, like, going with the traffic. And I'm watching, like, multiple people blow by me, 95, 100 miles an hour. I've seen people on that road. I've seen motorcycles doing 130, um, rough estimate, um, you know, Ferrari or Lambo doing the same I, I don't know. I just wonder, like, I don't want to be freaking, you know, cutting down on, you know, cars and the pleasure people have, but I just wonder, is there a limit to how fast street legal cars can go, should go? Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting conversation to have. And I think it's, it's a worthy conversation to have about, you know, 
making cars or manufacturing cars that have the ability to go 200 miles an hour and and what legal use could that be and explain to me the legal uses that that's available um you know i think there's traditionally been a lot of pushback on that and you know i don't i don't know at some point we have to look and say (laughs) as a society how much death and destruction are we willing to accept by our willingness to allow people to operate vehicles in an unsafe manner and we certainly have the technology to substantially limit all of that you know but i think all of us have to also have to think um you know, you're down near uh, Southern Highlands, so yeah. that that those roads, you can you can go pretty fast on some of those roads down there, um, right? Residentially, yeah, um, I think so. On Southern I, Highlands I go, Parkway, I, I yeah. travel up and down Rainbow all the time. Like, yeah, where he lives, Rainbow and Charleston, I am I'm probably through there six days a week. Yeah, right, because I live relatively close there. And now I'm thinking, I'm like, my God, how many times is this guy driving 120, 130, 140? On the surface streets. The one that comes to mind for me is Blue Diamond Road. I mean, that's the one I interact with a lot that, you know, people can come down that. Again, sort of downhill if you jump on Blue Diamond at Fort Apache or way out there. Or if you're coming back from Prump or Red Rock, right? And How about Summerlin yeah. Parkway if you're going down the hill at Summerlin Parkway from the 215? Yeah, yeah, totally. I do. I drive that all the time, too. And it's, it's, a, it's a fast road. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a worthy debate, but ultimately, at the end of the day, that's going to be a policymaker's decision. And I think you would get a lot of pushback behind the scenes, not publicly from the automakers saying, you know, this is, this is the brand we sell. Mm -hmm. And if you make me cap all these cars at 80 miles an hour, then my car is no different than this, you know, super inexpensive car. And it's how I make my profit. And then they start, you know, talking about, freedoms and the American way and, you know, personal responsibility and all that different stuff. Um, you know, ultimately, do I think that that problem will ever be solved before automated cars? I don't, I don't, you know, at once, once we're all on autonomous cars, which I don't think is as near as people think, you know, I, I don't think we're within 15 years of that, you know, right. Maybe 20, 25 years, maybe. Um, then, then all of a sudden we will go from having, you know, thousands of deaths a year in this country as a result of car accidents to virtually none. Justin Watkins, 570-9000 is the number here at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Quickie here, we come back, we'll get into uh, some of that workplace discussion. Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID. A lot of people were under the impression that he was vaccinated. He said he was immunized. He never said he was vaccinated. But, you know, all of us are kind of dealing with, you know, uh, who's vaccinated, who's not. Uh, in the workplace, if you work somewhere where they've required vaccinations, you've seen people fired. You had to get uh, the vaccine. So uh, Rogers is just you know another example of what's going on in this country in the workplace. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. So we'll get back to Henry Ruggs and get more details. We'll tell you what the Raiders said today. Rich Basacci had an opening statement. Derek Carr spoke. So we'll get some of the sound from that press conference. A tragic event. And again, uh, Ruggs' car accident killed a woman, killed a dog. The... uh, I mean, the least we could say is repeat the woman's name multiple times. 
uh, Tina Tintor was 23 years old and she passed away in the accident just short of uh, Spring Valley Parkway going north on Rainbow. So we got a real interesting situation here with uh, one of the most famous football players uh, in the world in Aaron Rodgers. It turns out that he is unvaccinated. He's tested positive for COVID. Uh, he's going to be out a minimum of 10 days. So he'll miss the Chiefs game this week. But around this vaccinated, unvaccinated thing, um, the NFL has certain rules. And then we start talking about, you know, workplaces, maybe your workplace, maybe my workplace um, and, the, you know, the protections we have. So you think the NFL is going to have to do something to the Packers here because they they clearly but we can see all the images of Aaron Rodgers, who is unvaccinated, but unmasked. We can see all these images video and photos we've got proof of it i mean it looks like the packers let him kind of do what he wanted to do yeah i agree i i think that's what's going to happen and i i certainly think the press isn't going to let it go uh because they were operating in a room with a person that led them to believe that they he vaccinated without a mask and so i imagine that there's some press members who are not happy with the situation and being misled this entire time, uh, I, I did see that, uh, I think it was Mike Florio mentioned that he had a source tell him, like, hey, Aaron Rodgers isn't vaccinated. And he's like, no, look at, here's the photos of him on the sideline. Here, here, you know, he has to be vaccinated. And, and he said he was immunized. Yeah. Never said he was vaccinated. He said he was immunized. Right. So, which, which a lot of people just ran with, hey. And he seemed to make comments months ago about, hey, I'm not going to judge others' choices. Yeah. About what? Not being vaccinated? Right. Or, being va- or actually being vaccinated. Right. I mean, that's, this that's the weird. funny thing. When you read back now, you, could, you, you <laughs> there's a different context than what he was implying. And certainly. He goes, I mean, he, he, let me read it to you. He goes, you know, there's been a lot of conversation around it, around the league, and a lot of guys who have made statements and not made statements, owners who have made statements. There's guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated. I think it's a personal decision. I'm not going to judge those guys. There are guys who uh, that have been vaccinated that have contracted COVID. That's the clue. Yep. I, it's an interesting issue that I think we're going to see played out the entire season. It's, it's funny. I, I was listening to a radio show two Sundays ago, and they were talking about Cliff Kingsbury mm-hmm. um, getting COVID and that he's vaccinated. And the radio host kept mentioning over and over again that the Cardinals were 100% vaccinated. I'm like, why does he keep saying this? Basically, I think to throw yeah. it out there that you can, you, and we know you can still catch COVID, but my assumption was like, maybe this guy is like, eh, you know, screw the vaccine. Oh, right. You're right. Yeah. That he's, he's challenging the efficacy of the, of, of the vaccine. And his co-host right. kept ignoring him and moving on. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, nobody said that they couldn't, right. I mean, that that's not what the data is there for. I mean, not to get in the whole vaccine debate, but yeah. uh, the data is pretty clear. I, what is it? Hospitalization. You're 15 more times more likely to, to be hospitalized if you're unvaccinated and you're 40 times more likely to die if you're unvaccinated. Um, but it, yeah, it's not perfect. It's not foolproof and you can get COVID for sure. It's just hopefully the idea is that it's less severe. So in, in a case like Rogers, we've got a little outbreak that's been going on with the Packers. Um, just in general, let's just talk football players. Um, and maybe they don't know for a couple of years if, if football players who got COVID find out that there were unvaccinated players around them, and especially when there are rules like this, could they go after them a couple of years from now for like long-term damage? Or is there just no way to prove that, Hey, you know, Aaron Rodgers was the one who put David Bakhtiari in jeopardy or, um, you know, Devonte Adams in jeopardy. Cause there are going to be, there are going to be some football players who do have long-term effects and you have some breathing issues a couple of years from now. And it could potentially not saying it's going to happen, but it could cut short your career. Yeah, I think that would be a tough case to prove. I mean, the the idea, even if you could say, 
and prove I got this from Aaron Rodgers. Look, here, here's the chain reaction. Here's here's exactly how it all developed. The the defense to that would argue, but we don't know that you wouldn't have got it anyway. Like, let's get into your whole lifestyle. You were playing football right. in a stadium with 60,000 people, and you're going to pin this on Aaron Rodgers? Like, the reality is you had a risk of this happening any day from any number of thousands of potential sources. So I think the the proof would be speculative. Justin Watkins is with us, our legal insider. Last couple of minutes, and I appreciate all the time. These are very important cases. Uh, the rugs crash, uh, especially. You know, I plan to uh, talk about Aaron Rodgers before any of this COVID stuff came down because I had a story that I found yesterday, and I just started thinking legally. You know, these are interesting. Um, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is, uh, headline here, is giving out a million dollars in Bitcoin, uh, but not every lucky fan is getting the same amount. Um, I don't know a lot about Bitcoin. I don't know a lot about all these other, you know, the virtual dollars. I wonder if you're his agent or attorney, like what you tell him about something that doesn't really have established rules yet from a legal standpoint yet. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, every, remember like, Brady gave away, supposedly Brady gave one Bitcoin that was worth like 62,000 at the time right. to the uh, guy who got his football at 600 touchdown. Picks. Right. A Bitcoin. Yep. I mean, you can give away fractions of Bitcoin, obviously. And so what what's happened here is he said, you know, hey, as a promotional, you 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 reply to this tweet with this hashtag and you enter a chance to win some Bitcoin. I think it's fine. You know, like he gave away fractions of Bitcoin. Some people got ten dollars worth. Some people got one hundred dollars worth. Some, you know, I think that's the range. Ten to one hundred dollars. Whole bunch of people. But. I, I don't know. I, I didn't see anything that that jumped out to me to be uh, problematic there. I mean, if he'd said you can win a whole Bitcoin and then only and then only give out partials, then I could see a problem. But I just, I just nothing nothing grabbed my eye on that one. All right. How the it was a hunting trip last week. Time flies. We we see every yeah yeah yeah. Nope, I got shut. Okay. I, I, yeah, nope. I didn't get anything. So the the freezer's half full. We got we got we it's gonna have to roll until next year. Tough break. I know. Tough break. All right, my friend. Appreciate it. Five seven zero nine thousand is the number to call. Battleborn injury lawyers coming up. We'll get into some uh, Vegas Golden Knights and also a lot of uh, plays around the NFL and college football with our uh, gambling and hockey insider Brian Blessing. Call Battleborn injury lawyers seven zero two five seven zero nine thousand with your questions today. Carson Wentz is unvaccinated. That's been noted. And every time I've seen him on the sideline, he's wearing a mask, right? When he comes off the field, he puts a mask on. When he goes to shake hands after the game, he has a mask on. Rodgers hasn't done any of that in the public. I don't know what he's doing behind closed doors, but when he's in the public and in places just like Carson Wentz is wearing a mask, Rodgers is not. Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, that's ESPN Packers insider Rob Domofsky. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on here with Aaron Rodgers, and we want to talk the betting angle on it as well and get into hockey with our hockey insider from Sports Creator Radio locally on K-Shop. Brian Blessing is up. What's up, Brian? Hey, bud. I was just curious. So, is the top five at five today uh, talking sports? <laughs> uh, we did, mo- you know, we did mostly rugs yesterday, and it's uh, unbelievable. To on- yeah, to be uh, to be honest, there's there's a lot going on. That I mean, this is all sports related in the end, and uh, I I would this is not a pat on the back. I would never shy away from covering a local story because I think you know you and I were just talking before the spot. I mean, certainly 
anyone listening to the station has thought about that area of rainbow where rugs was doing 156 uh-huh. miles an hour and thinking like, how could you go that fast? What's it like? You know, am I in that area often? So, I mean, this is all real life stuff. And, and, uh, well, I'm gonna, I, I have a, I have a whole thing about, um, you know, dealing with athletes and, and wealthy people in our community. So that's coming up in about 20 minutes, but I wanted to ask you comparing it to hockey Rogers, let's go back to Aaron Rodgers, the vaccination stuff. Um, like this, does this feel like a Vander Kane? I mean, a Vander Kane outright committed fraud with the fake vax card. Rogers never said he was vaccinated. He said he was immunized. So I think there's a mm-hmm. different right? I believe so. I mean, first of all, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Evander Kane's Evander Kane. Yeah. And he tried to pull the wool over their eyes with the actual card, which is you got a problem on your hands. And what do you get? 21 games. The Rodgers things, thing is, Steve, we were talking during the commercial. I mean, Technically, he didn't lie. I'm immunized. Well, yeah, he he was nine pounds when he was immunized, but he's immunized. I mean, he could have been immunized with something else, and he thinks it's being immunized. He just never said vaccinated, so uh, that's the key here. Unless we haven't heard it yet, maybe he did slip and say vaccinated and and missed. But what are the Packers saying? I mean, you know, Uh, I mean, he's your guy. I mean, wouldn't they have a clue what he's up to? I don't know, man. I don't know. That's, I mean, I guess then that kind of goes back to the Kane situation because it sounded like, you know, early on San Jose had no idea that the the card that Kane gave them was fake. So I don't know if they're maybe behind the scenes, maybe the Packers will come out. I mean, I would say the Packers have nothing to lose. They're, they're getting rid of Rodgers, but they have a season to lose if all of a sudden, you know, Rodgers gets suspended or their season falls apart. But in the political environment, I mean, the world we're living in and you watch the news every day, regardless of what side of the fence you're on here, I mean – does the NFL, you know, what kind of anvil are they dropping on this guy? And if they don't, what's the yep. less, what's the rest of the body of the players union saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to do this. I bet he can. Then you get the Beasley side of it. You know, I mean, this is a dog's breakfast. I was going to ask you, would, would Beasley be mad or with Rogers? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, I, had to, I had to follow all the rules and I got raked across the coals and uh, you know, this guy didn't and he, he got nothing. Well, BZ may be saying, I wish I was as smart as Rogers instead of going out there and, you know, mm-hmm. having everybody dropping a rock on me all the time because I opened my app. Yep. All right, well, let's talk about the adjustment on the line in this game. This is a massive game on the NFL schedule, by the way. The NFL and TV lose out here because, uh, listen, people are still going to watch, but, my God, the Packers with uh, Love in there versus Rogers, it's a whole different story. Right now the Chiefs are seven and a half, so you could argue this line moved anywhere from, like, you know, six and a half to like eight and a half points in addition to the line steve it's like what's the mood of the packers wrapped around all this Mm -hmm. but when you looked at basically green bay's like a pick or minus one and you just watched the giants take the chiefs to the mat the real story here is the chiefs are a basket case i mean there is just something mightily amiss and you keep thinking back class is going to kick in and they're going to get their act together but I mean, I'm of the belief that Jordan Love should come in and play a serviceable football game. You know, you're asking a kid to make his first start on the road in one of the most hostile environments in the league, but they just showed you they had the game plan, and we talked about it on the show last week. They're going to Arizona with no wide receivers and said, watch out, A.J. Dillon. They have the two-headed monster. They're going to come in. They're going to do the same thing. They're going to try to run it down the Chiefs' throat. And I think the points are attractive. Honestly, I just, at the moment, I don't trust Kansas City. My big concern wouldn't as much be love. It would be 
you know, how big a distraction is it for the Packers mentally? I mean, you look at the, the Raiders with the Gruden deal. I mean, go back to that. We know what's recently happened. But go back to the Gruden deal. The, the distraction was the front end. I mean, they, they were a no-show against the Bears. So that would be the concern that this big distraction hits them now. Brian, tell people about the uh, the hockey podcast, Light the Lamp podcast, and uh, I assume the main topic was probably Jack Eichel. I uh, a healthy chunk of it, yeah. No, on my Twitter at Brian Blessing, I put it out. You can get it there, and it's on the Sports Grid platforms with Cam Stewart. And the developments today, Steve. Last night, Emily Kaplan, ESPN. First of all, it was Friday. A, a Vegas deal is imminent, or the Eichel deal is imminent. Vegas, the front runner. Then. Carlson gets hurt. They go to Toronto, all quiet on the Golden Knights front. Carlson sure surfaces with a broken foot Monday morning. All of a sudden, it goes quiet again. Emily Kaplan last night says the trade's on the one-yard line, two teams involved, Calgary and Vegas. And the Calgary proposed deal, or at least the guys reported to be in the package, all of a sudden blows the Golden Knights deal right out of the water. Wow. It's Kachuk of uh, uh, First-round pick, former first-round pick, their top prospect, a first-round pick, and maybe even a couple of more prospects. And the Sabres, I believe, here's the, here's like the, you know, follow the money. Well, Calgary, their vice president of operations, Maloney, was in Anaheim and L.A. scouting the Sabres. Well, why is scouting the Sabres? Hmm. Right? You're getting Jack Eichel. He's not... He's scouting the Sabres because I think more than Eichel's going to because Calgary, if they move Kachuk, and this is everybody's all worried about around here, what do we do in the meantime waiting for Eichel? If Kachuk goes and a couple of guys that are on their roster now and Calgary's off to a good start, it's got to be Eichel and some Sabres going back because they're going to need players to replace the guys that went to Buffalo. So right now, he's a relatively new GM. This Kevin Adams in Buffalo, God bless this guy. He's drawn a line in the sand, and I think he's actually generated and created a real honest-to-God bidding war, and maybe they do get a real fair return on their uh, deal, you know, trading a generational guy if he's healthy. We always have to say that, if he's healthy. But this guy, everybody thought he was going to get fleeced. He's generated a bidding war. Best case, when would Eichel be available? Well, that's why this has to happen right away. I mean, he needs the surgery by the end of this week or early next week. He's on the ice in whatever it is, maybe a month. But to be clear for contact, it's in excess of three, three and a half months. The realistic time frame to get Eichel back is probably, and it, the, the clock's ticking. Say he gets surgery beginning of next week. I think he's back, Steve, uh, say March 10th. The irony is the Golden Knights play the Sabres on March 10th. But right around that time. But the difference is you've got the three-week All-Star Olympic break. And the season's not ending till the end of April, not the second week of April. So when you get him back, and this is why I think the Golden Knights absolutely should do this, because I know they, they were a disaster, a no-show last night. But in this division, you tread water, you hang around, you're six, eight points back, even how terrifying that would be. Six, eight points out of the playoffs with still 25, close to 30 games left to be played. And Stone and Pacioretty and Eichel's here. They're making that up in 10 minutes. And the big, the problem with this team, and I will tell you this with the Golden Knights, their power play, Steve, is 0 for 4 months. Hmm. 
It's yeah. no joke. I mean, they yeah. not, they didn't score against the, in June in Montreal. They haven't gotten a power play. I don't care who they put back in there. That power play is a train wreck, and that's what Eichel will do. Eichel, if he's healthy, and we always have to say that, but on historically bad teams, there were long stretches of those two historically bad seasons. The Sabres had the number one power play in the league for one reason, Jack Eichel, and he got Jeff Skinner $9 million. Skinner at 43 goals, stops playing with Eichel. The guy can't shoot it into the ocean. <laughs> Vegas needs help on the power play. Listen, it's a good team organization. All, all the things we say about Vegas, cut to the chase here. Bill Foley wants to win a Stanley Cup. He doesn't care about the big term, you know, what, what, what does this mean to me down the road? He wants to win a cup. He wants to win a cup yesterday. And cut to the chase. Don't even say Vegas is a Stanley Cup contender. The way to win a Stanley Cup is defense, goaltending, and special teams. And I don't care who they put out there. The power plays a dumpster fire. Brian Blessing, hockey expert, loves to play, gambling expert, sports grid radio. I meant loves to play the games. I don't think you love to play hockey now. Uh, let's bang through a bunch I, of that. I love, I lo- I love to. I, I, need right, double, right. I need double runners and a walker. Let's, uh, let's hit a bunch of football games here. I got about three minutes left. Yeah. Uh, NFL. Um, are you laying seven and a half with the Rams against Tennessee? Eh, that would not be on the docket. I think in the short term until we actually see what Tennessee is without Henry. The crazy thing, Henry goes out, Steve, I would think, and you think, oh, he's their offense. I think the totals, they may score more points, hmm. but they're going to give up more points because they're not going to wear the defenses down. I bet you because Henry's not there, Tennessee throws the ball more. There's probably three to five more possessions on both sides here in, in their games. I would start playing Tennessee games over, even though Henry's not there. Total there is 53 and a half. Last week, you uh, you strongly suggested, hey, don't play Cincy. Uh, can they deal with prosperity? Laying 10 and a half points against the Jets. Jets get it done. They get it done outright. You're going to play against Cincy this week now that the, uh, well, the line's back in, you know, in order. It's two and a half against the Browns. I'm not holding it against them that that happened to them. I mean, we've seen that happen to teams. We we talked about it last week. I think they can regroup and rebound here. Cleveland's a mash unit. Um, I mean, I don't. I'm not in love with the game. I'd probably play under the total if I had to, and if I had to play a side, it would probably be Cincinnati. Current form. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland's just you know it's a mash unit. Boy, oh boy. Uh, NFL Falcons and Saints, a total of 42 and a half looks a little weird, doesn't it? Doesn't it look, I mean, that some, sometimes you look at it and go, it doesn't look right. And then, you know, it's telling you something. But every time I've ever seen an Atlanta, New Orleans game, these guys usually play track meets. I mean, literally, they're, they're games that are in the 30s each way. I mean, the Simeon guy was fine. Atlanta's no great shakes. I would probably play over the total. College football, this is my favorite time of year because we all start trying to pick up on what the motivation is going to be. Are they going to be down? Are they going to be disappointed? So we got some bubble burst situations, as uh, you call it, along with uh, Mark Lawrence on your your show today. We got a couple of situations. SMU, the the loss column is now filled. Um, SMU's four and a half at Memphis. And then you got Michigan laying 20 against Indiana. Yeah, the Michigan one, I'm not so sure about. I probably wouldn't go there. The SMU one sticks out like a sore thumb. And it's funny because it was the commercial break, and I've got Mark's newsletter and all the stuff he does, and God bless him. I'm not giving his stuff away, but it was during the commercial, and I'm looking on the menu going, oh, there's not a doubt in my mind. I told Stevie sitting next to me, 
I'll bet you anything, Mark Lawrence, that, that he's he's playing, he's fading the SMU. And sure enough, I scrolled down. It was one of his best bets. It's the classic bubble burst theory. SMU's riding high. You get conference hopes. What kind of bowl could they be playing in? You suffer the first loss of the year. It's such a punch to the gut that literally they're drinking Epicac, not Gatorade, the next week. <laughs> I already got Memphis plus five in that one. Um, then there's the rankings, right, where you, you try to judge, hey, CFP, the team's going to be pissed off, right? Cincinnati mm-hmm. should be max motivated. Uh, they're laying 22 against Tulsa. Do we just see Cincy go out and just annihilate this team? I thought that could be the case. Then, then we are trying to be Dr. Phil, right? And, oh, they're going to take it out on these guys. And you know, Mark was maybe not so fast uh, on that particular one. So I, I'll, I'll let him talk me off that one. But that kind of made sense to me. The one that's really scary, and I know I, you know, I'm sitting there going, "Hey, I survived another week." I took a little flyer, Michigan State at 200 to one, and here they are in the top Hello. four in the college. I'm breathing, but you know, you beat Michigan, and it's a a it's a big letdown spot. They still got big games to come, but all of a sudden, it, the Michigan State thing is almost like Cincinnati was last week in the NFL. Hey, everybody, look at us! And now you're going on the road to Purdue, and the banana peels there, so. I'm rooting for Michigan State, but I wouldn't go anywhere near him this week. Uh, you out at Westgate tomorrow? Uh, actually, we're going to be there Fridays in right. November. We're going to be right. there this Friday because it's day one of the Breeders' Cup, so we'll be doing the shows, and the oh. Breeders' Cup races are going to be on. It's going to be a lot of fun. should be a great atmosphere there. What a great weekend uh, in town this week with the, the Breeders' Cup on Friday and Saturday. So we'll do the shows Friday, and uh, come on down. We'll be down there watching the horse races. It should be a lot of fun, and then football centers. You guys will get them ready for that on Sunday. Brian, thank you. We'll talk to you. All right, Steve. Good luck. Uh, hope you get to talk sports soon. <laughs> there you go. Brian Blessing. No problem. <laughs> you, uh, either way. Brian Blessing, Sports Grid Radio, K-Shop Locally, Sirius XM Channel 204. Caleb Herring is up. Uh, talk about UNLV football, but also the Rodgers deal and the responsibility of the quarterback from an organization standpoint. Now that we know Aaron Rodgers is going to miss the next game, a massive game against the Chiefs. Listen to the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show each Wednesday at 6.30, live at the Parkway Tavern.